I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 19... I hit my mic right off. That is a record. The year is 1956. The album is Laugh of the Party, Volume 2. The artist, Red Fox, and my guest is Jim Hanna. Jim Hanna, thank you for being here. Jason, thank you for having me. Hello, hello. Hi, Hi. everybody. We've known here... Yeah, we've known here... Fuck me. What is wrong with me You're today? off to a roaring it's so start. hot. There's it's all these hot, fumes. There's paint fumes or glaze fumes. Yeah, boy, oh boy. So, I've known you for a I'm while, drunk. Jim. Yes. Uh, I've known you, I knew you through a good buddy, friend of the show, Matt Sachs. Hello, Matt. Matt has done the show once from Minnesota. Uh, we talked, of course, about an album about the vice presidency. So, sure, sure. Uh, you... Uh, I didn't. I was not expecting you to pick a Red Fox album, and I'm curious why you picked Red Fox. Uh, I will say... I assume you understand you've done so many of these, the sort of limitations that start to happen when yep. the same albums get picked over and over. Uh-huh. And I say, hey, how about this one? Like, well, we've only done it 17 times, uh-huh. but we could do it again if you'd like. And uh-huh. I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I want to get one that's brand new mm-hmm. for the heck of it. One, because I would like to hear somebody I've never heard before or sure. paid much attention to. And also, I just think it'll be more interesting for whoever's listening. Um, and I remember scrolling through your list of albums and... Suddenly, I saw a Red Fox. I was like, I think in all my years, I've never heard a Red Fox stand-up, uh, either um, seen one or mm-hmm. heard one. Uh, all I knew was, as a kid, I loved him. because uh, I'm a child of the 70s. I was a very young man when his show first started, mm-hmm. uh, his, his sitcom, Sanford and Son. And then, uh, but I heard the rumors that he had a very dirty stand-up uh-huh. act, a nightclub act, and it was very filthy. And even... I guess back then, just I guess I'd heard the rumblings, and but still had never listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a slightly personal uh, thing for it. I, I can't say I'm a huge, ginormous Red Fox fan. Again, right. I think I was five when his TV show came on, mm-hmm. and my uh, this is when there were seven channels in our house. Sure, got cable. It's got it, it expanded to thirteen, but there weren't that many. Mm-hmm. Every night, my dad sat down. He decided what we were watching for the night, and he loved Sanford and Son. Okay. Um, and my my dad is a Midwestern dad uh, in the seventies, not not overtly racist, but just kind of had a tinge of it, you uh-huh. know, that he grew up with in the forties yeah, with it. Yeah. So he wouldn't be cruel or vicious about it, but he would make racist jokes and kind of say things that mm-hmm. today I would go, oh, that's uh, that's not cool at all. And yet, and so it always struck me as a little ironic that he still loved Red Fox so much. Sure. His bias or whatever prejudice he was working with did not keep him from laughing um at red fox and so i I, and and i lost my dad relatively young Mm -hmm. when i was a teenager so just to think back like what used to make dad wet his pants laughing it's like it was sanford and son (laughs) it was red fox yeah so i guess part of that is why i I jumped in to explore that part of it it was a dad thing yeah i don't think until last year i had even tried to listen to that same experience although i barely even know sanford and son Mm, but i always knew the rumors same thing it's just like i i know i knew one joke which was supposedly i'd shut you up permanently but my zipper's stuck and i'm like (laughs) i'll find that album someday but the weird thing is so we play this one and as i explained to you i bought what i thought was volume two or volume one and i got volume two in the sleeve or it's the other way around uh, or, i think yes you're right you're right correct correct so anybody who i might have said the wrong one at the beginning so my apologies but yes so i thought i was buying volume two but i actually bought volume one which is great i don't know which color cover art, but the, the cover art is delightful done by red fox himself really kind of uh kind of 
It, it, very almost very childlike. I, yeah, the and, drawing and, and and not to be too cruel, but a little cheap. It's just uh-huh, like, uh, like uh-huh. I said, hey, Red, oh, we yeah. need cover art by tomorrow. Oh, here, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sketched it out and turned it in. I, and I, there's something about these that I I adore, and it's also the funniest thing is just what you're used to is the gravelly voiced red fox who's saying, you know, this is the big one. Uh, exactly. It's a big one. Uh. And he just sounds like a kid on yeah. here by comparison. Okay, guys, what's going on? It's me, red fox. <laughs> well, what is this, 1956? 56, yeah. Definitely, uh, de- definitely early on, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I think not knowing a lot of his history, I looked a little bit into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, still don't know a lot, like, where this comes, when he went from just performing, because he would do... He had a comedy act with a partner for the longest mm-hmm. time, apparently. Slappy. Mm-hmm. Slappy White, maybe? Oh, Slappy White. Okay, that makes sense. And I don't know how early in his actual just stand-up career this was. Yeah. Uh, but it certainly sounds like it's relatively new. Um, it sounds really new in that it's like, especially since I think that's at least three different places yeah. on this yeah, one absolutely. album. Especially in the first part of the second half is like, there are two people in the room? Yeah, well, actually, I would say there's maybe five, but okay. two of them are loving it. Yeah. There are these two people, I can't even tell if it's a man and or a man and a woman, but they just, like, do not stop laughing for the entire <laughs> bit, that, that five-minute bit, whatever it was. I don't even mm-hmm. remember. Uh, so I'm guessing, what, he just did a little nightclub appearances here and there and mm-hmm. then sort of strung them all together. Yeah. And you would obviously know the history of stand-up LPs a lot better than me. Like, this has to be around the time that started happening, This right? is like, early. This is before that. Like, that's the thing about Red Fox is it's before, like, uh, Bob Newhart hit it big. It's before Shelley Berman hit it big. Interesting. Yeah. Because there were... seems to be, like, a mercenary thing about, like, hey, we've got these recordings of him doing stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, uh, again, like, with the cover art, just slap something together. Mm-hmm. We'll just pull out uh, you know, ten five-minute chunks from different places, and we'll put an album out. We'll make all the money. But That's I what guess... I figure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, it sounds like it's three at least three different places, a, a, a variety of like even quality of jokes. Like, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they they do seem so rushed. Uh, they're the if anybody remembers, it's the Do Tone label. Eventually, there was the Laugh label, spelled the same way as the Laugh of the Party ones, L A F F. Uh, and I think his or his later ones are on those, but the Dutone label, which was, I, if I'm not mistaken, oh, there's also Duto, uh, Duto Do. There's so many different like variations on these like small record companies. I'm trying to remember, I think yes, okay, Dutone was it was a local like uh, LA record company, and that's the first mm-hmm. volume one here. Yeah, well, I'm assuming it's the same because oh, you're looking at the volume. Here's the cover. thing though, <laughs> it does literally on here say authentic records. That could be the name of the company that makes the records itself because it does say novelties. No, but it's the no, but, no. But think so about it. You got you got the wrong it. cover. Whoever ended up selling yeah. you that took that that album could have been released by authentic. What is yeah, that? Yeah, authentic records. So oh, you know what? Later and that's then just why. stuck in the wrong. Here we go. I'm an idiot. I'm not an idiot, but I'm an idiot. Uh, you'll see it's the same exact logo as the Dutone, oh. and it's called Dutone Authentic High God. Quality Records. So there we go. It's the same company, but eventually they'd be called du- they were called Dutone. Um, so there's a, this is a fascinating half-cludged history for you. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Can I apologize now? I will tell you something right off the bat. Tell me. Um, that happened that was interesting. Um, so we've been trying to set this up for a, a little while. Uh-huh. I think when we left high school, that <laughs> we were first tried to make this happen. Anyway, we... Uh, we you you had uh, finally when once I picked this album, then you sent me an album. Actually, I just said I'll do Red Fox, and I think you sent me what was uh, ostensibly Volume One, and then mm-hmm. we still couldn't make this work, so I didn't listen to it for the longest yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, earlier this spring, you I got the digital files from you to just listen to it. I was like, I sat down and I started writing out my notes, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay, that's funny. Wrote down some favorite jokes and stuff, 
and then we still couldn't get this arranged for a couple months. So uh -huh. when this or uh, when this recording session was finally set, I said, "Hey, let me listen to it one more time. You sent it to me again. I don't know if you sent me two different ones, uh -huh. or if I ended up maybe going." <clears throat> To YouTube and finding a recording of it, but I actually listened first to uh -huh. the that actual. one you have there. I'm uh -huh. sorry, it's a good, uh, laugh your ass off. You laughed. Oh, okay. So I didn't hear <laughs> volume one until this morning. Holy shit! So I was listening to it, going like, just to refresh it my memory sound familiar for our at all. Like, That's not a joke. Did Holy he, shit! Did I forget that? <laughs> so my initial observations were all about laugh your ass off, which all right. is not, which is a, kind of the same year, I believe. Let's see. I, I, it's a good question. It could be these. I mean, you can also see, by the way, on the back of that, they're all oh, the yeah. same. See, they damn just cover. cranked out a bunch of these. That's what made me think it was just. We've got these archives of so many stand-up shows. Let's just dump out a billion albums. Cause mm -hmm. what, what's on the back of there? Twenty different albums? Yeah. All with we the got same? one, two, three, four. Yeah, sixteen on the back of this one, and I'm pretty sure these are a little bit later than these ones. Uh, I, and again, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I I'm gonna have to look at his discogs because I know there's like in my head I want to say he you know made like seventy. I wrote 1956 down in my original notes mm -hmm. on uh, laugh, and then what I then found out was laugh your ass off. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> Then this morning I listened and took a whole new round of notes, thinking I was just <laughs> oh, going to refresh my memory. Like, oh, I better take uh, some more, uh, put down some more thoughts here. Mm -hmm. um, they are very similarly themed. It uh -huh. does seem he starts getting a little more edgy. Yeah. In laugh your ass off. Okay. Well, he's already, I mean, he's got ass in the title uh -huh. of the album. He's yeah. definitely kind of. I'm going to push this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just some interesting. Uh, uh, I guess the the point is that when he eventually got the filthy label uh -huh. was not these albums. It, 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 can't, I, it does not feel like it could. They're like a little like they're cheeky. At yes, most. they are. Yeah, and I, they couldn't have been played on TV. That's sure, for sure. Sure. Uh, but I was expecting it was like in the fifties. Was he just raunchy as hell? And it was a little, as you said, it was cheeky. Yeah. Was, he would use a play on words that mm -hmm. implied sex, but really wasn't sex. Uh huh. And, um. And I guess in my other hunting around, I was like, well, when did he start becoming this legendary foul mouth stand up? And I just saw a clip on YouTube of uh, a 1976. Mm -hmm. And it's from an album literally called Wash Your Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has somebody's wanted to talk about that one, actually. So, OK. And, and so he did a little I saw this like five minute clip. He was doing a promo of it on stage at some place like this. Is my album, Wash Your Ass. And then he did the Wash Your Ass bit. OK. And uh, <laughs> definitely a lot filthier. And also, I feel like Wash Your Ass is a comedy bit that I've heard a lot in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think that Red Fox was the the grandfather of the <laughs> gentleman Wash Your Ass uh, line of comedy. So, Have you ever, and I apologize for not knowing this because I know you as an actor, have you ever done stand-up? Uh, I did a little bit in college. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, that just uh, so I'm I'm from a college town in Nebraska Lincoln it's you know a good sized city and then thriving bar and music scene there and mm -hmm. they, there was a stand up place and I did it for about a year my last year there and I got actually okay at it mm -hmm. at least for that little market um, but I it was always a little bit of pulling teeth it wasn't a natural skill I had okay. I had to really kind of uh, really think hard and really work too hard and I I didn't have a natural affinity for it the way I feel like I do with with performing with acting. Um, and then I came to Los Angeles, you know, just full of like bright eyed. I'm going to mm. take on the world. <laughs> um, and I would do things like uh, I did open mics at a Ramada in Chatsworth every <laughs> Sunday for a few months. Holy shit. And then the one time I got 
uh, super like, this is going to be the story I tell on, well, at the time it would have been Carson. That's how long I've been out here. Uh-huh. This is the story I'll tell on Carson one day. So I go to the comedy store. They have an open mic night on Saturday nights in the belly room upstairs. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of, well, I'm going to go, and this is going to be my break, and I might have to do it several times, but I'll work my way up. And I got there, and it was this jam-packed room, and there were clearly open mic people who'd been doing this for two years, and they were, like, I, you sign up, but it's not first come, first served. It's, you're the new guy, you'll be going on at the very end. Oh, okay. So I had one of those hard luck, sad L.A., new to L.A. stories. It was 2 a.m., Everybody was gone. The bar was closed. The host and the cocktail waitress were still there. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to let this deter me. I'm going to do it. And maybe maybe I'll make such an impression on the host, she'll say, that kid stuck around till 2. Anyway, it was a disaster. Uh, I did my set of my five best minutes. And I thought, I can't. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not. Next week, I might be second from last at 155. Yeah. Yeah. So I just did my heart wasn't in it. I, there's just a different skill set and a different motivation that other people clearly have much better than I do. So I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really stick with it. <laughs> but you were you were prepared for this to be your hard luck story that you're going to. Oh, yeah. That's I thought, well, amazing. you know, now that I've been playing Harrah's in Vegas for seven years, Johnny, <laughs> let me tell you how it all got started. It's kind of what I thought at the time driving home all sad at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> I'm oh, now like shit. this. I, my stand up career is going to happen. though. Anyway, so. Do you know, now I'm curious, do you know any of the other sort of Nebraska folks that are out? There's a contingency of Nebraska comedy folks out here. There, Well, it depends. what. Uh, because I've been out here all 27 years. Uh-huh. So there were the people that I went to school with. Mm-hmm. Because I, I stayed in my hometown to go to college. Uh-huh. So that was the University of Nebraska. And that comedy scene, for what it was worth, I was in. I knew some of the folks that went on to then come out here. I don't know. And then I would see other, over the years, I go, oh, these are the kids who were 10 years behind me, mm-hmm. now 20 years behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, are you thinking of anybody in particular? Because there's two names I know of that had some success and then sort of transitioned to other things. It hit me with it. Maybe Mark I'll... Gross uh-huh. was, uh, uh, he was a little before my time in Lincoln, was kind of a, a bit of a, I was just starting to do it there when he was about to leave. And then he went on tour, and then he eventually, uh, got hooked up with a comedian I'd, oh shoot i'm gonna forget his name but he had a he ended up doing a sitcom called rodney so his name is rodney something carrington okay oh that sounds right yeah that sounds right i'm gonna feel really bad it's if that's okay wrong. yeah and mark was uh i believe the producer on that and then mm-hmm. he's gone on to produce a bunch of other uh sitcoms and stuff so he's done real well and yeah a guy named craig anton i know, I know that name I he, 100% he, he ended up being mostly uh known as an actor mm-hmm. um I think he was on Mad TV for a while. Okay. And then he would pop up on a bunch of different TV shows and commercials and stuff. So uh, any other uh, Nebraska comedic legends I'm not aware of off okay. the top of my head. Well, I mean, other than Johnny Carson. Well, Johnny Carson, of course. <laughs> there, you know, there are a couple, you know, and there are times when I also confuse, there's an also contingency of, uh, the, the, the contingency, contingent of Iowa folks that, that, that uh, are also a giant group like the Higgins Boys and Gruber that I sometimes in my brain I then say oh they're Nebraska no they're not Nebraska folks there's another group of Nebraska people and now I've lost every name that I thought well so. and, and look I don't I assume it's with a, a lot of the states in the union that come to New York or Los Angeles or mm-hmm. you know that you you find your people and mm-hmm. there is a pretty uh, uh, thriving little Nebraska subculture of the entertainment industry in general yeah and uh, you start knowing this is for people who haven't busted out and become huge stars they're just 
you're kind of grinding away your networking when you first get here. Sure. There's a, an organization called the Nebraska Coast Connection that meets once a month, and they have networking things, and they bring in their special guest hosts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we, this Christmas party this year was uh, Alexander Payne is a very notorious, uh, not notorious, very famous mm -hmm. uh, Nebraskan these days, and uh, we we got a, a screening of his uh, of his last movie, Downsizing. Oh, awesome. Party. Okay. So Alexander Payne will show up and chat for a while and show his Fun. movie. Fun. So. That's not so bad. Yeah. What I get is the uh, upstate New York version, and uh, but you know, the weird thing is, my town had about 1,200 people in it. There is somebody else from my hometown out here in L.A. That you knew then? Or? Yeah, 100%. I went to elementary school with her. It's very weird to me. An, an enemy? Hopefully no, not. Okay, no. Good, good. She was not one of the people who picked on me. It's, it's nice. She's not the kid who tried to set my hair on fire. She hey, was one of the good ones. I don't know. The the, the, the bullies that I, I had a few bullies that my, my high school, they dropped off. But I had a lot mm -hmm. in middle school. I was just a weird little runty kid. And I tell you, it's bizarre. Look, I, I, I have a career as an actor that just I, I get by. Mm -hmm. I'm doing fine. Mm -hmm. I'm making a living at it in half for a while. It's very gratifying, but mm -hmm. I'm not a star by any stretch. Right. But if you're my bully back stay <laughs> in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you stayed home, and you're working at, well, never mind. I'm not going to be uh, uh, <laughs> insulting about it. But sure, if, you sure. just, if you are there, mm -hmm. and you suddenly see the kid you picked on and called Fathead No Neck all through <laughs> junior high my God. in a commercial, yep. that's like, Oh my gosh! Of course, it, it's a different world. When I was growing up there, being on TV seemed like uh, an impossible world. I just it's didn't like going know to that. space. Yeah, people in Lincoln, Nebraska, don't do that, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. And I think that for the bullies that uh, have since have hit me up on Facebook, like Jim, you're so funny. It's so great <laughs> to see <laughs> you, man. Uh -huh. Hey, man, when you're back in town, we should hang up. Like Hegman. <laughs> Oh shoot! I should just said his <laughs> name. I doubt he's listening, but uh, <laughs> like cut it out seriously, you, you tried to beat me up every day after school for an entire year, oh. and now you want to be my buddy on Facebook because you saw me in a Home Depot commercial. <laughs> yeah. I will say the one thing I've got about the people back home is they keep it real. I don't think any of them have said, "Hey, we should meet up." But then again, <laughs> nobody's seen me on TV, so uh, that could be. <laughs> what about the, the 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 woman from your hometown, though? Are you? You, you know her? You run into her? I you... have not run into her, but online, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? She's in Los Angeles. Like, I really did, like, probably swear. I'm like, what the fuck? Somebody else is out here? Like, your like, same age, even? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, wow. same class. Uh, it's shocking, because, like, and the village I lived in, it, big... in the town, is 200 yeah, people. Yeah, how big could your class have been? 30-some, maybe, at the most. Wait, don't you almost, aren't you almost obliged, then, to get together for coffee? Just we should. I've been thinking about school. it lately. Like, I have been thinking about it. Like, and she's a really good photographer, and, like... Were so... you friends back then, or no. were you all... Yeah. No, I had no friends. I had one friend. That's just I, it. I can't say no friends. I had Dan, who's right. my best friend. But, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really That's have friends. That's interesting, because you feel like, <laughs> we weren't friends then, but we're both here now, and we guess we should probably meet up, yeah. just because? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah, I feel like an idiot now. Yeah, all right, well... Ann Margaret, we'll figure it out. Well, well, not Ann Margaret. I did not go to school with Ann Margaret. Oh, now that would have been something. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> uh, but this Ann Margaret is an awesome photographer. And uh, yeah, all right. And we'll, working out we'll, here now. We'll do lunch. That, that'll happen. Um, so let's go back a little bit. So what kind of... All right, so we've already established that your dad's a racist. I'm kidding. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not saying that. Well, put it this way. He he, he would tell racist <laughs> jokes and not look around the room first. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. No, I grew up around that yeah, stuff, yeah. too. I, I, I get it. Do, was there comedy in the house? Like, were there comedy oh, albums or other comedy? my dad actually was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And let me point out, by the way, if I told an off-color, inappropriate, or bigoted racist joke, I'd have gotten... Uh, chewed out mm -hmm. he would i couldn't do them he yeah. could and even then they weren't that bad we weren't uh like literally uh, might be surprising 70s in nebraska mm -hmm. the n-word completely forbidden sure you could not use that word um which seems 
a little ahead of its time, I yeah. think. It's a weird gray area that is, is hard to exactly explain, but I right. know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, and again, if I had used, if I had told any of the jokes he was telling, mm -hmm. he would have probably uh, swatted me. So, mm -hmm. um, But he was ridiculously funny, I thought anyway. I, I think a lot of people think their dads are funny, but mm -hmm. he had that sort of reputation otherwise. He, 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 just, he was a bit of a drinker, so he'd go out and he'd hold court, and mm -hmm. everyone around him just found him the most funny, charming. Um, he was a goof, and so when you're just a little boy and your dad's being a goof, doing something around, just funny faces, uh, yeah. you know, uh, farting and then going like, oh, did you see that? An elephant just ran by. I mean, just dumb, <laughs> dumb jokes, but we, of course. they killed us. Yeah. So, very funny guy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have albums growing up, or is it just TV? Okay, so... Another one that I considered early on when you uh -huh. were asking me to pick an album, the only albums I listened to as a kid were albums my dad had. Uh -huh. Again, perhaps sort of contraindicating his uh, <laughs> potential uh, racism is that he had <laughs> stacks of Bill Cosby albums. Sure, sure. And listened to them all the time, and I loved them so much. I thought they were so damn funny. Of course. And... I don't, I actually, even before the controversy with Cosby happened, mm -hmm. about maybe 10 years ago, we were at someone's house and somebody had a Bill Cosby album. Mm -hmm. And I convinced this group of friends like, oh, you guys have never heard Bill Cosby? Oh, you have to hear it. So we mm -hmm. sat down, we put it on, and everyone's just sitting around and like, oh, this isn't nearly as funny as I remember <laughs> when I was. It's certainly not appropriate to stop the party, make right. everyone sit down and listen to the Bill Cosby album. Mm -hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, he had a big stack of those, and I listened to them all the time. I loved them. Uh, it's, it, you know, just bizarre how that particular chain of history has played out, mm -hmm. where uh, sort of a comedy hero of mine when I was a kid. And, again, the only LPs I really listened to. I know yeah. Steve Martin was a big deal in, like, 76, so I'm just mm -hmm. nine years old or whatever. And I never had it, just I had friends who had it. Sure. And I would occasionally hear it at their house. Mm -hmm. Uh we were not swimming in cash, so we couldn't like, hey, Dad, I want to go buy the Steve Martin album. Sure. I think he got the Bill Cosby ones from his dad, so mm -hmm. you know, we weren't buying a lot of comedy albums. Um, was there any live comedy that you could go see? Was there any live comedy where you were? There, by the time I was in college, there was. Right. That's sort of the late 80s, early 90s. The comedy club boom did hit Lincoln, Nebraska. Required. Yeah, I was yeah. performing at like a college bar that had you know bands like nirvana uh, before they uh just like a year before they busted out played the same stage at this little dive bar Jesus where monday night was comedy night oh my god and so uh i did comedy there i think there must have been touring comics because bizarrely enough i wrote for the college newspaper mm -hmm. of the daily nebraskan and i got an interview with jerry seinfeld because he was coming to town holy shit and I think he he played a place like called the Royal Grove, which was just this kind of divey out by the airport uh, bar. That's crazy. Uh, what would that have been? <clears throat> like eighty nine? He must have been because that's when the show hit. Yeah, yeah eighty nine is the show. Was so. definitely before his. T well, was it before his TV show? Maybe right before. Yeah, I just I think <clears throat> even at the time I was like, why is Jerry Seinfeld coming here? And when he's coming here, he's playing the Royal Grove. Uh -huh. He's not even like at the university or uh -huh. playing one of the nicer bars downtown. That's funny. Um, uh, then, but then that then there became, oh gosh, what the little boom happened when there was um, like Ha Ha Hut and Yuck Yucks. Sure, and sure, I sure. I can't remember the names of them right now. 
And now my mom still lives there, so I go back, and they're all gone now. Okay. Uh, but for about 10 years, there was that little bump in uh, uh, the traditional comedy club, you know. Does this interview exist anywhere because I want to read it? Oh, great question. I really Here's the thing. What's it. fascinating is I know I recorded it. Oh, fuck. See, I, have, I, bet it's, I, bet it, I bet it's nowhere. I bet mm, I lost it years ago and didn't even think about it. I do remember crazy. thinking, in now as I get older, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on it, I must have really been annoying because <laughs> I was so interested talking to Jerry Seinfeld that I think I kept him on the phone over an hour. <laughs> and he was just like, I'm going to give a quick blurb to the college newspaper uh-huh. this crap hole bar in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> uh, he's, he, I called him at home. I know that. <laughs> and he picked up. And I'm sure he was just like, yeah, I can't wait to play Lincoln here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, thanks, kid. See ya. I kept him on the phone for an hour. <laughs> That's um, amazing. And then oh. a few years, uh, m- many years later. So uh, I guess about five years ago, he was doing a Super Bowl spot that uh, he was the star of. And I'm mostly a commercial actor, and I got a, a callback to this job that I knew Jerry Seinfeld was going to be in. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to get this? And I could mention, hey, I'm the annoying guy <laughs> who, uh, and then I, I got the callback. There's only five of us there. I go into the room, and uh, I'm in the room with Jerry Seinfeld. And I'm thinking, do I dare? Do I even, like, <laughs> hey, just so you know, we've met before I tell you. <laughs> It actually ended up being totally inappropriate. I couldn't have done that, so uh-huh. I didn't. Uh-huh. And then I didn't get the job, so I never got that my damn it Jerry uh, Seinfeld memory moment with him. So <laughs> I wonder, like, how quickly the dead the dead eyed stare would get. Because you know what I mean. Like the man has been interviewed so many times, but then there's always the hope is like maybe he does though. But if he did, it'd be for the wrong reasons. Well, maybe. Like, <laughs> are you that asshole? From a tiny college newspaper who kept me on the phone for over an hour. I remember you now. Oh, that's so good, though. I mean, the, I don't know. The, the balls to, like, sit there for an hour with him and do that the whole time. I, and I just good. thought, he's loving this. I'm asking great questions. Sure, sure, he sure. thinks I'm interesting. And uh, I think I, I, I'll never remember exactly what it was. I asked him something about a comedian who I'd just seen on Letterman the night before, two nights before, who made a joke about him. Uh-huh. And I was like, so what's it like when such and such says such? And he's like, um... And it, I just remember he was done with me by then. He was so <laughs> uninterested. He's like, I don't, I didn't hear it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Holy so crap! Anyway. Oh, that's so good. That's a delight. Is uh, so. All right, let's talk about this album a little bit more sure. because again, <laughs> I I really enjoy listening to it, even if I'm not laughing that that hard at, at much of it. It's it's kind of refreshing to hear a guy who's. Seems to be trying stuff out, but so confidently. Mm-hmm. There, he doesn't sound like he's stumbling, even when he's making a joke that doesn't sound worded that well. <laughs> no, and and some of them are, they are works in progress. I yeah. think. Like he yeah. starts a joke, and then he did this one. So he likes plays on words a lot, mm-hmm. and sometimes he gets dirty with them. I will tell you, it's funny that I listened to that one album first, the wrong one. And uh-huh. then I, there is one bit that repeats, and it's the. Um, commercial for fug soap I thought so okay yeah f-u-g-g mm-hmm. and it's it's so dumb really it's uh-huh. such a play on words but yet completely filthy i'm assuming by, by the standards yeah. of the day yeah because he's like ladies i want to tell you about uh fug soap and you want to uh you want to if something gets filthy you should you how did he phrase it you should uh you should fug it make mm-hmm. sure you if you bring that home and or if you're i think he even did like a if you're rear bend over and if your rear end is you can fug it and then you bend over and look in your can. There you go. Then he had to do a little bit about washing your garbage can. Uh-huh. Like, is your, is your can dirty? Well, then you should fug it. 
and it's so dumb. Uh-huh. And yet I'm sure outrageous at the time. If the wrong crowd had been hearing that, he'd yeah. run out of town on a rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he did one. I'm trying to pull up because I think Fug is also in the name of at least one of his albums, if not a series of them. I feel like I've seen that. Then he does one, though, which, an experiment, and then ends up, I assume an experiment that I can't imagine. He's like, uh, I've got this new shampoo. And it, and then he's, uh, this new product is shampoo. It gets rid of the sham, but keeps the poo. It made no it sense. Made no, I was trying so hard to, like, wait, Red, what are you trying to say here? Well, all right. I I, he was, maybe he was drinking a little on Uh-huh, yeah, sets. maybe, maybe. God, here's the problem. So on Discogs.com, like they're re- they're so comprehensive, it sometimes actually gets a little muddled. I know I've seen Fug in the name of one of his album titles, but I'm not seeing it here. But there are just so many. Considering he parties. must have done about fifty or sixty albums in this, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure one of them does have Fug in it. It, it. It's got to. And for the record, if anybody's curious, uh, Volume One is a red cover, like an actual, yeah, like right. red tinted cover. Other ones are weird variations, like that. Again, really half-assed because there's like 20 of them with the same cover. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out. Well, either way, yes. So th- that is the standout bit, which I think I've heard on. I've got three albums of his, and I have heard him on heard it on at least two of them. I'm sure he repeats it again because it became a thing. Well, I, that's the only way I knew. Like I was probably now listening to the wrong album this morning, or yeah. had listened to the wrong album because I'm like I don't recognize this. Remember this? And then all of a sudden. But I have heard that I've bit heard before. That. Then I actually did Google and I saw the track list on both albums. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. at the end of Laugh Your Ass Off is the Fug bit. Mm-hmm. And then someplace on uh, Vol- uh, Laugh at the Party Volume 1, it, it's in there again. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I don't I don't think I ever laughed just ha 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 out yeah, loud yeah, at yeah. anybody. A lot of it was like either confusing uh-huh. or that's an, that's an unfinished thought. Or, oh, that's a pretty interesting funny bit. And uh, some of them are so well prepared because he does the one... About the horse races, uh-huh. and the one is called the the three horses are. It's I think it's the last bit on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did I write that? Uh, uh, one horse is called your dick or something like that. Uh-huh. He, who, uh-huh. He's riding your dick, and then, mm-hmm. then but that piece was really clearly like uh, written out yeah. and practiced because it was very uh, a lot of wordplay, very fast, and it wasn't just him rambling. He, right, he'd, he'd spent some time on that bit. Right, right, right. And he <laughs> there's one bit. Um, uh, is it on? Yeah, it's really hard to tell by these titles because he's honestly, you can call that a six minute and 35 second track about sneezes. It's about a million different things. Of course. Things. It's there's just one joking, I joking, politicians joking. I saw. And uh-huh. I when was oh, he ever talking about politicians? <laughs> there's one bit he does where he's talking about plugging, which is a thing that you do. You plug if you're an entertainer. He talks about a couple pieces that he plugged in New York. And the thing is like, oh, I the- got where he's going, but the lady in the audience like laughs for. Oh ass off because she where knows like, where he's going the piece i did was then then the women's names I yes did, there was a piece named laura mm-hmm. there was a piece named marjorie <laughs> and you knew where he was going he didn't even have to make that bit but like he soldiered on even yeah. though that lady that lady loved that yes. joke before he finished it and it was... that was the night there were five people in the uh-huh. house and two were laughing uh-huh. um i think there was one just in because uh, i actually since i uh, knew I had to catch up on volume one because mm-hmm. that's what we were talking about today. Mm-hmm. I listened to it twice today. And I do know that, like, the one time I genuinely laughed out loud, when it was like just a a really sort of well crafted joke, not outrageously funny, but it just hit my funny bone the right way. And I don't think I'll be able to quite do it justice. So let me check my notes. Certainly, here, sure, sure. It's about a drunk who gets in the cab. And the drunk guy says to the cab driver, Take me to the Oasis. <laughs> 
And the cab driver says, uh, and he looks out his windows like, we were already in front of the Oasis. So I said, uh, you're already at the Oasis. And the drunk says, well, next time don't drive so fast. <laughs> and like, just so dumb. Yep. And yep. yet, a, I just thought a really well-crafted, at least I thought to so me, too. a well-crafted joke. I laughed out loud at that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I sat and thought about it. I'm like, yep, no, you, that was the, the all good word choice, all mm-hmm. well told. Where, again, like I said, the other ones are like, I know where you're going, yes. and I know the joke you're trying. I've been at that that I've been at that stage. It's just so weird and raw to listen to. <laughs> yeah. and I love that these are party albums because this seems like a weird thing to sit and listen to. But maybe that's the shit. Just the shit that stands out is the dirty, the sort of cheeky stuff. I guess in '56 that could have been quite the shocking thing to break out. I mean, is yeah. That- I don't know if I, I, I mean, party albums, that's a thing. That's a category, right? It was, this, it was a thing that, like, you, because you would put it down and play it at a party. Like, like listen to this, this naughty thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cosby, but Red Fox was absolutely the original of that. And then there's people like Rusty Warren on my wall there who became, like, a later version of that, but a woman. And uh, very dirty. <laughs> Not Knockers filthy. Up, I see her yeah, album she's right great. There. She's a that's delight. Funny. Every one of her albums, it's so, like, you think he repeats stuff. She repeats stuff, but it's, like, it's gradual, like, what disappears and what becomes new. I've listened to, like, oh, all from tw- different albums. Yeah, yeah, album yeah. So if you listen, like, album to album, and she's done, like, 16 or 17 of them, and I've listened to almost all of them, it's like, I've heard that bit before. But they're all good. They're all fun. She also sings. So if, if Red Fox is trying to sing, I don't know if it would go over as well. No, he's doing poems at one point. Uh-huh. And that was the, they weren't ter- <laughs> terribly funny. Uh-uh. Um, so, you know, like, it's... The question would be, like, would you recommend someone listen to it? And I, I, I would think, yeah. I mean, just for the sort of novelty and the history of it, like... Uh, this this is what the, the beginning of the album comedy thing it sounds like yeah. you know yeah um, is it actually funny uh, there are times it's uh, there is like definitely some jokes I had and there are times when you can appreciate the comedy without yes. even laughing yes You're just like okay I see what he's doing mm-hmm. there it's a well crafted joke mm-hmm. then he'll say something completely random stupid like we got a we got a TV we got a wide uh, got an eight inch TV and this is the fifties of course so it's a big deal then mm-hmm. we got a we got a seventeen inch TV. Uh, but then my uh, my son has a 22 inch head, and he sits in front of me, basically implying like I can't watch TV because my son has a 22 inch head. Mm-hmm. And then went on to say like uh, my wife uh, my wife was gonna have a baby, and she said, "What do you want, a little brother or a little sister?" And he's like, "I'd like a pony." And she's like, well, "I'll tear your mother up." Yeah, but it's a delight. I apologize, by the way, for people at home. This is going to be one of our noisier episodes because, uh, again, we're airing this place out. Our tub is being glazed, uh, yes. folks, just so everybody knows, in case you wanted a little peek behind the curtain there. It's quite fumey mm-hmm. here today. Yeah, quite it really fumey. is. We're high. We're incredibly <laughs> high. Uh, you know what's so funny is you uh, you answered the question I asked towards the end, and I agree. Uh, like I always ask at the end of the episode, would you recommend listening to? This? Oh, I see. Okay. And so it's good. No, I'm glad you've already you already nailed it down. No, it's good. Uh, and I, you know, I would 100% agree because at least in terms of history, I love so much that this started a trend, and it's again this rough. You know, yeah. that it starts a trend, and it's just like kind of okay. And it's right. definitely all over the map. I mean, this is not. He's going to start. Uh, uh, an hour-long set and start here, which transitions to this, which trans. These are just random, just chunks pulled out of different sets. And in fact, all right. So mm-hmm. I don't remember "Laugh Your Ass Off" that well because it's been two months since I heard it. But yep. I just, for curiosity's sake, these are the notes I wrote down. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> to remind myself to talk to you because we were going to first do this two months ago. Yes. I wrote Ben Franklin queer. <laughs> he called Ben Franklin a queer at some point. I'm not oh sure my why. God. Uh, he talked about. 
cigarettes causing cancer in 1956, which was interesting. I mean, I thought that was a huge controversy at the time, is that we didn't know in the 50s mm -hmm. that cigarettes... He was freely talking about... Man, just a, a thought I had. Then uh -huh. I don't know. None of these are all that interesting. He has a rape joke with Confucius in it. I don't all know right. why. He's got... Oh, you got Fuck Your Can. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then this ended up being on the new one. Another one of those dumb play on words where he talked about a Russian guy named Snatcher Tits Off. <laughs> yes. And he's like, and his brother, you can snatch your tits off. And <laughs> I can, I've been snatch your, anyway. Uh, I've got a bunch of, not, most of these aren't actually interesting. Shot in the canal zone. I think that must have been like a vagina joke, maybe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because he was, even though he was filthy. Uh -huh. He had to be very careful, it still seems to me. He couldn't just come right out and mm -hmm. say the P word or... You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. He would say, hey, ladies, your canal zone, or bend over and let me look at your can, and then I'll fuck you in the can. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's interesting, like, the, the lines he had to walk when somebody like uh, Lenny Bruce, because he was white, could be like, well, I'm, I'm going to say fuck on stage, oh, and then, you know, and like I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for it, but I'm going to stand up for it. Because he doesn't say the F word, does he? Red no, Fox, no, no, at least not this early, you know, I wonder, like, he, borderline, you know, uh, and, but maybe, maybe it's also because nobody's playing, paying attention to black clubs also, like, that's yeah. another thing. Well, then, it, then that makes it, I just had a stray thought, which is, there's not a lot of racial humor on it either. Mm -mm. It's not like he does a mm -mm. lot of, like, I'm in a club with uh, mostly black patrons. So right. Let me talk about white people for a second. He yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't do that. Hundred percent universal. I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> universal and very silly, but yeah, like somebody like Lenny Bruce could take advantage of the fact that he could kind of he could push the envelope more if he wanted. At least with that audience there, maybe for not sure. the local authorities. For, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> I actually I had a guest on the show once whose mother used to. Uh, uh, either rep or publicize Lenny Bruce and at one point had to bail him out and uh, stopped working for Lenny Bruce that night because he said the word shit in front of her son. <laughs> and that was a deal. That was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring it to the future. Let her watch a half an hour of deaf comedy jam. Uh -huh, yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stroke. <laughs> have you listened to because this is not not something everybody does. I, I have to recognize that. Have you listened to other comedy albums since you were uh, I like doing stand up or trying to do stand up? Like, is it a thing for you? Mm, no. And I never bought them. I never yeah. uh, never had a lot. Um, I would say no, quite honestly. I, I it was not my thing. Really. Mm -hmm. Even the like Steve Martin when he was the hottest thing. Yeah. I should have been like, Mom, can I have six dollars to go buy the Steve Martin album? Right. And I didn't. I was buying 45s of, like, uh, uh, Andy, Andy Gibb and stuff. Like, just the most <laughs> bizarre mid-'70s uh, purchases. You know, it, this is just something I've always... I almost feel like it didn't happen. I don't know if we're running short on time. We're it's fine. way off topic. We were fine. Yeah, we're good. That uh, one, uh, one thing I did listen to from my dad's collection that I'm positive he got from his dad... And I still can't even believe it exists. And they were these 45s. There were comedy 45s uh -huh. that were put out, I think, at least these were, in the sort of late 40s. Okay. And, or maybe they were actually during the war. I Googled this a while back to make sure it was real and I actually heard uh -huh. this as a kid. Yeah. But we had a stack of 45s okay. that my dad just had laying around that I know he got from his dad. And there were these little green 45s. Okay. Of... A singer, I don't, oh, I'm going to forget his name. But anyway, he wrote these just, by our standards, ridiculously racist faux Japanese comedy songs. Oh, my God. What? One was called Yokohama Mama. Uh-huh. And one was called, oh, I don't know. But he, basically, so this it's clearly a, a white American guy mm -hmm. doing just the most offensive, 
uh, Japanese voice uh-huh. with the you know the L's for R's and everything. Sure, and he sure, sang sure. a song about meeting this you know a sharp looking cookie uh, named Yokohama Mama. And uh, sounds familiar. I actually think I sent them to you once a while back. Like, hey, would you ever want to talk about these? Because they were so. Uh-huh. At the time, I'm like seven, listening to them. Like, it's just this catchy little song. Yeah, of course, of course. They're, they were both uh, cute little. You look up Yokohama Mama yes. on your phone there. Um, seriously, you would be arrested if you played them in public today. They are so. Uh, and it, I think. Is it Harry Carey? Yes. And his six sake sippers? Yes. Holy shit. Yes. It's crazy. Um, it was a. It was an A and a B side, and on one side uh-huh. it was Yokohama Mama. And the other one was, uh, yes, sir, that's my baby. That song I do recall. That song I do know. Unless, uh, is it also... I was about sung? to do it in the horrible accent. He didn't even now. I cringe to do it, so I can't do it. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. It does it, and it's just completely, you know, Mickey Rooney, or is it Mickey Rooney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh-huh. offensive Japanese accent. Oh, my um, God. Accent. I'm trying um, to see. So just a big stack of those, and you think they 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 belong to your grandfather? Probably. And yeah. I'm wondering if the timing of the history works out. Like it was actually during World War II, and so that was part of the. This one says 53. Really? So, so yeah. eight years later, they're still making fun of the Japanese. Uh huh. Obnoxious, horrible. Ways. Having a good time doing it. Oh my. <laughs> Trying to find because I I, I want to see what other ones they released. Not that I'm like psyched to listen to a ton well, of them, but sh- I am curious. You should listen to their their 45s. They're like three minute songs. You should listen to them both. They're just bizarre. Okay, so the gentleman. Uh, okay, a gentleman named Harry Stewart who also did a character called Yogi Jorgensen. No idea, but he apparently uh, was he, a big ethnic. He was comic. doing. He was doing. You know, comedy. Well, not LPs, obviously. Comedy 45s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the beginning of this. Uh, this whole That's phenomenon. That's fascinating. Um, <laughs> I want to, I'm curious, like, in terms of, so when did the stand-up stuff, st- like, was was there, like, I mean, we're going to talk, I just for so everybody knows, I do a show about news radio, and I have desperately been waiting to get Jim uh, on it, because he got a SAG card from news radio. first union so job I ever. don't want to burn it here, <laughs> but, like, it was there, were the, I'm assuming that's not the first thing that was like, oh, good, I'm a working actor now. I'm curious, like, what finally hit for you was it a big commercial or something or was it was that it was it news radio hmm interesting well i tell you this it's been hmm yeah it's almost 20 years now which is bizarre to say Uh uh-huh i think it was 98 oh that is definitely 20 years ago what am i saying Uh um no that like my life did not change overnight except that i got in the union and uh then maybe my auditions got a little better because most people it's hard to get in uh at least Definitely the time if you're a non-union guy on a union job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then since the bulk of my money the last 15 years have been made in commercials, there was a commercial about five years later that that got a lot of that that even I have to admit was a really really well done commercial. It was mm-hmm. just really really cinematic and very touching, and it sort of I've never had more feedback for anything in my life. And that was I'd done maybe one or two a year, and then in 2003 this one hit and boom, everything yeah. exploded. Um, I even was lucky enough once to do just a blink-and-you'll-miss-it appearance in a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. uh, War of the Worlds, and I was told by the casting directors, like, um, oh, because the year before I'd gotten into The Terminal, mm-hmm. which was his movie before oh, that, yeah. uh-huh. but I got cut out. Oh, all right. So the next year he brought me back and uh, for War of the Worlds, um, and uh, the casting director said, um, I think Steven saw your AT&T commercial. And that's because he watches TV a lot to try to keep, you know, keep up on who the actors are. And he loved that commercial, so he brought you in. I'm like, holy, holy cow. shit. So that's where things, you know, you never know. Uh, very much the actor philosophy is, is, 
in a lot of ways, just do what you do everything mm -hmm. because you never know what might turn into something. For sure. So. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Can I find this AT&T commercial on YouTube? It's got to be out there, It's right? not, actually. What? I found it somewhere and have it bookmarked. Uh-huh. Uh, I could maybe send you a link if you're just curious. I really am curious. I have I, it somewhere. I, did I down? I think there's a way to rip it and then put, I have a YouTube channel with just my commercials on it. Mm -hmm. but, um really want to see it yeah it's actually it's just a really touch sure well seen it commercial. i'm sure saw it when it was out yeah, but yeah. but that's phenomenal uh I, that one it would be even two years later or ten years later people would be like weren't you in that at&t commercial with a little girl i'm like yeah I was. <laughs> so. and but i'm assuming though by that time stand-up's just a distant memory for me for, yeah. like to uh, as me performing it mm -hmm. uh yeah kind of though i will say things have gotten a little slow lately the commercial world is definitely mm -hmm. changing yeah. and um, I'm getting a little older, so some of the categories I'm sort of castable in are changing. Uh -huh. and, so this, and for some reason, I've been in my head writing jokes lately. Like, yeah? what if I were to do some stand-up? I don't even know what the world's like now. Right. I don't know if there are. I assume there are open mics still. Mm -hmm. I have a buddy that uh, is also sort of in a rut, and he's like, maybe we should just go do some stand-up just to break That'd the rut. That'd be phenomenal. I don't think I'd still, I still don't think I'd be great at it. Mm -hmm. I, I maybe have a few jokes that would, would be great. I just, I don't have a... Anyway, it's just, yes, it's something I've considered uh, mm -hmm. to, to step back into uh, because I do love stand-up. Uh, I've been, I mean, Netflix has just been oh, yeah. a boon. I uh, it, There are a lot of nights I'm, I'm, well, look, if I'm out and I've had a few drinks and I come home and I walk the dog and then I sit down, I've got a little, like, hey, let's see what's on Netflix. And I'll watch, uh, you know, John Mulaney I'd heard oh, about forever is like, oh, God. he's the stand-up stand-up, and he's the most brilliant. I did, wasn't familiar with him, mm -hmm. so I watched all three of them. Yeah. And I still kind of go like, well, he's not my favorite stand-up ever, uh -huh. but he is uh, such a good stand-up. Like yeah, yeah. If, you don't, if there's a way to separate that in your mind. Like, maybe not my favorite type of comedy, but he's so good yeah. at making a joke, crafting a joke, mm -hmm. delivering a joke. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd, you know, rush out to see him live myself, mm -hmm. but he's really a pro. And, yeah. and, and But then you can also just see this random, like, uh, somebody you've never heard of and just go, let me give this person a shot. Right, yeah. And with Netflix, you can watch five minutes of it and go, uh, nope, not now I'm done. I'm What's good. the next one? So. Yeah, exactly. Or then you can go back trying to decide on what you want to watch, and then it plays a fucking trailer for it without <laughs> you asking for it. Thanks, Netflix. Thanks. Netflix, you're the best. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um... What was I going to ask you? Son of a bitch. I forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, no, that was what I was going to ask you about next. You Okay, so you are on two of my favorite sitcoms. So here, here's the thing. Like, I'm not even a sitcom writer, or I don't even, I haven't even tried to actively be a sitcom writer, but I now know two guys who have been on three of my favorite sitcoms of all time. So you're on News Radio and on Parks and Rec. Woo. And it's also a really great scene on Parks. It's a, great, it's a quick scene, too. And it's, so, it's, it's as though you're an established character, which I think is kind of fun. In fact, well, they told me at the time... This guy might be coming God back because I was playing a person in the city government, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the city planning commission, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Well, he's a guy who can come back." At the time, I think it was for two episodes to start, mm -hmm. and I started going, "Well, they're going to be in front of the city planning commission more than once." Right, right, right. I didn't even get my second episode for whatever reason. So um, I don't think it was because I went in and stuck up the room, <laughs> right? But yeah, of course. you know, they just they change their minds and move on to different different places. But that mm -hmm. was uh, that was. Uh, I don't know. Are any, any of them? Obviously, it's these Ansari. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of any of them were stand-ups first because they are all such great comedic actors. Uh, this was interesting about Parks and Rec. If, I'll tell you a quick story, which was I uh, was there the day after Obama was reelected in 2012. Uh -huh. The morning, literally the morning after. <laughs> so uh, 
uh, Amy was just all excited. Mm -hmm. She was just like on her phone, like, oh my God, Obama. And she, <laughs> okay, let's do the scene. And she was all giddy. <laughs> and anyway, do the scene a few times. I'm trying really hard to, as a guest actor to not be a pain in the ass. You don't want to come in and like step on toes. Sometimes you're just there to do your job and don't try to be funny with them because mm -hmm. you, you'll you'll embarrass yourself. And so I'm just doing my shtick and doing my lines and being fine. I'm, I don't have any great laugh lines, so I'm I'm trying not to force it. And then they go, okay, let's do a fun run after all of it. And and everyone, the the regulars around the table, are like, okay, fun run, here we go. And I was like, what the uh, fuck? I said, Amy, excuse me, what's a fun run? Is it what it sounds like? Say, yep, we're just going to do whatever you want. And they're like, no, they're not going to use any of it. Uh huh. And they uh, just start, uh, they do the exact same scene again. Mm -hmm. But after the first couple lines, it's just off in a million Amazing. different directions. So I'm like, so it and like, am I allowed to throw something in? I'm not, I'm not a terrible improver and ad libber. Mm -hmm. Oh, that. I could say this. That's kind of funny, and but don't be careful. So I didn't take it full advantage of it. I got a couple of lines in, mm -hmm. um, but that was just you know a joy to watch, especially someone like Amy Poehler. Just she just of starts ad libbing and killing it right in front of you. Two She's a master. I don't yeah. fucking get it. I'll yeah. never understand it. I I don't understand her skill level. Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's another world. And then but then to play a normal straight scene like mm -hmm. she's she's not a caricature. She mm -mm. was always. The most lovable <laughs> human know. character, you know. Show is so damn yeah. good. It shows so damn good. Uh, and I got so excited. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Jim Hanna. I got like <laughs> so excited to see you on that show. So I know. And then the other guy I know who's on a show <laughs> was on Sergeant Bilko. That's how far back. Holy cow. Paul Dooley. He's an extra. Paul Dooley. I do yeah. know Paul Dooley did a, a show at the Fringe Festival last year. The Hollywood yes. Fringe Festival is a theater festival mm -hmm. that I, you look, I still like to write comedy and mm -hmm. I write funny plays. I, at least I like to think so. I write little web series and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, I've written a couple plays over the last few years just to go down and have fun with my friends. And, mm -hmm. and um, So I did one last year, not this year, but last year's Hollywood French Festival. And I remember seeing that Paul Dooley was doing a one-man show about yeah. his career, I think. He's still working on it, too, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to see it, but yeah, he's a, he's still out there plugging away. Filling, filled with a ton of like his commercial appearances and stuff, because he, same situation. He was doing, I just re-released his stand-up album from 1961, and we talked about it. Dude, he has a stand-up album? He had a, yeah. Nobody knew about it. Like, I it's very, not. yeah, and uh, so we released it digitally. Might do a vinyl if, if it sells enough, folks. Uh -huh. CelerySoundRecords.com. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, he did the same kind of same situation. He's doing stand up, trying it out, working it out, and then once commercials hit, he just said, "Fuck it, I don't need to do stand up again." Commercials were his life. He yeah. he handed. I was on a. I was in the background of a podcast yesterday, and he handed me. He like here's something to leave through. This is a list of every place I did a commercial for. Thirty three pages long. Yeah. Double spaced. So it was it was six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred. It's insane. I guess I sort of understand that in that you were asking earlier mm -hmm. about why maybe I didn't stick with stand-up, or maybe you, or I'm asking myself, why didn't I stick with stand-up? Because uh, it is such a skill, a different skill. Mm -hmm. And I I guess I would always tell people at the time who ask about this, like, I can do it, I'm okay at it, yeah. but I don't, I don't like it that much. Like, mm -hmm. I love acting. Mm -hmm. I will act anywhere in anything, and I think I'm good at it. Good, you know, I, that, and I feel challenged by it. And there's never a time I go, oh gosh, I better go, I better go act now. I got a job in uh -huh. parks and recreation. But sometimes to sit down and maybe write up a stand-up set would be like, well, that's that's work. That's a chore. That's yeah. a. I don't have the brain that is constantly writing or sure. able to write jokes. And it's a, it's just more effort. And so when I was able to look, if stand-up had taken off and it turned out I had this great facility at it, mm -hmm. I would have probably stuck with it. Uh, I had a better facility at. 
getting jobs in commercials and TV shows. So yeah. we did that. So. Right. I mean, I'm curious. Would you play a stand-up in a movie? No. Because and what and how do you think that would differ? I'm just curious now because like it playing a stand-up in a movie where they've written a set for you. Which by the way, anybody out there, if you're a screenwriter, write stand-up better in movies, please. That's I was always just about bad. to say that's the problem, isn't yeah, it? Because, it is. Because. Uh, Every time you see a stand-up, uh, like a guy who's supposed to be a stand-up, or a, like, what was that one with uh, Sally Field and Tom Hanks? Uh, uh, oh, God, uh, I've never seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Anyway, yep. and you watch that, and you're, and you're right. I don't know what that is. I, I guess it's like, <laughs> to me, if I can make a, a comparison, that it's sort of like when they try to, they're doing a TV show about musicians who have a hit song. Mm -hmm. And so they write the song, and it becomes a hit in that world, and you're kind of like, well, but that song... You've got sort of second-rate songwriters, I think, on yeah. those. Uh -huh. Who, uh, if that song was going to be a hit, it would have been a hit in the real world. Yep. And it's not believable. That, anyway. Yep. So in a way, stand-up, like if this great stand-up set that somebody's doing in a movie, well, if it's that great, it should probably the writer should have saved it for their own stand-up. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so I think that it suffers a little. It's sort of like when you, you don't get the pros to write the the hit song in. Uh, uh, the, the TV show or right. the hit stand-up set, if that mm -mm. makes sense. The only time I've seen it work for the song was that thing you do. I think the music in that thing you do is really good. And for stand-up, the marvelous Miss Maisel on on which Amazon, I have not seen, but I know what it's you're talking so about. fucking good. And not only real... is it a really good show, but the stand-up's really I think Legit. good. I think so. Uh, even like you know, and it's she's also supposed to be just starting in comedy, but I think it's good. And then uh, the guy, and I apologize for forgetting his name every time, but the guy who plays Lenny Bruce on this show, holy fuck! It's like Lenny Bruce jumped out of the fucking screen. Really? It, it's it's ridiculous. It's so good. It's an impression, but he's also acting it. Cause is he if, doing actual Lenny Bruce material? Uh, that's something I'm not sure of. Cause they do. He's on stage a bit, but he's mostly he's actually a character on the show. Sure. Like sure. in this fictional universe. Right, right. But uh, yeah, th there are bits where he does which, a couple of things I did recognize, like the airplane glue. There are a couple of bits that are definitely his. So I'm assuming all the stuff is stuff that's actually he's done. But. This guy's phenomenal. Now that would be fun as an actor. That'd be mm -hmm. a huge challenge. I, I don't. There's no way on earth I could play Lenny Bruce. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Uh, but would I like to play? A First off, I would like to play anything. Mm -hmm. you know, I, you mm -hmm. know, I'm an actor who thinks I can do anything. Yeah, yeah. And then you just start to realize one of the one of the keys to success in in the acting world is to know your limits. To know, uh, like, I will never get cast as that. So don't be disappointed. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, <clears throat> but would I like to play? What, I think it would be interesting to 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 be playing a stand-up and then see the script and go, oh, this is actually just terrible stand-up uh -huh. writing. And I gotta sell it. I gotta pitch it. That's the hard part. By the way, speaking of that show, um, if you guys are looking to cast <clears throat> a young George Carlin, I'm right here. Uh, <laughs> I will wear a wig. I'm fully aware of my limitations physically, but I'm I'm happy to do it. And then we'll find a part for Jim, too. Do you, you, do you, can you do a, a passable impression? <clears throat> At least a vocal one, yeah. I mean, oh, you, you right? also have to do, you also have to, like, have the physicality ready. Sure. But... You know, I think I learned the seven words thing I memorized in college I, I, with the goal of like, I either have to play him or Jim Henson because I had a beard and long hair at the time. But uh, so since you, then, my Carlin's gotten good. And you like the actual as a as an impression mm -hmm. has gotten good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think so. Good for you. Yeah, thank I you. I've, 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 tr I've tried. I feel like I've done it on the show once and it, then it gets embarrassing. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I it, which is dumb because I'm supposed to be an actor. You're not supposed to get embarrassed <laughs> by showing off. No, I'm already cringing about like, will I even play this podcast back? Because I'm wondering, <laughs> where did I go? What did I say? It's all happening very fast. Uh, I think I'm going to be mortified by certain 
certain things I may or may not have said. Right, right, right. Well, you didn't actually do the Japanese, the fake Japanese yeah, that's accent. That's right. So we're good. Well, we're I good. Did say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were de- you demonstrated. Sharp looking cookie, he says. Uh huh. So literally says Holy she's crap. a sharp looking cookie. Oh my good god, that's so upsetting. <laughs> Uh, Jim, this has been a delight. It's been very... I, mean, I can't believe it took us this long. I know. I was stressed. I was stressed. They're like, will I have anything to say? I still don't know <laughs> if I did. And also, will, uh, especially specifically about this album, mm-hmm. because it didn't like uh, have some great history with me. We're like, sure. I can't wait to talk about Red Fox. That's but, what's hard, yeah. But it was very incredibly fascinating to like find uh, this album I would never have known about or heard about yeah. and sort of uh, dive into it. And... I'm glad you did too, yeah. by the way, because uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I am the worst note taker in the world, so that's why I bring people on who like, I think this person will have something to say. Like Joseph Scrimshaw is a great dude and a stand-up. He's come on the show four or five times, and the first time was a regular, oh, I grew up with this album, but yeah. then the rest of them was like, no, I'm going to pick one from your thing, and we're going to fucking figure it out from the start. Yeah. And they're great. It's a lot of fun Well, to he's do. like literally breaking down like the the comedy he's I was so in. good at and, doing and that like, too. This is how why this joke works mm-hmm. like, yeah. or doesn't because yeah. some of the shit we listened to last time, some old time radio, and it's like, oh, that's that's real hit and miss. It's real hit and miss, but it's fun. I am a little fascinated by that, I guess. I don't, I, not clearly, not as much as your buddy Joe Scrimshaw. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't have his uh, skills with it, but I do occasionally like to go, why did that one work? Mm-hmm. Or that's not even that funny of a saying or a, a, right. a, a arrangement of words, and yet it did get a laugh. Why? Yeah. That's always a little interesting. Yeah, because, you know, and that's just the thing, too, is like we're missing what we would now call memes of the day. Like we might be missing something that made sense within a, just a brief pocket of, of time. Course, of you course. know, a saying that is no longer in, in use. You know, yeah, maybe that shampoo joke. I was thinking that. It had, was referencing something big in 1956. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we would not know about. Right? Exactly. Because it, 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 it got laughs. It's not like that one did not get laughs. Uh, this is not going to come out for a while, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's let's say a couple months. But do you have anything to promote, and where can people find you online? Uh, I don't necessarily have anything to promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I were acting or had a job, I'd like, well, look for my um, Lowe's commercial. Mm-hmm. There's no way to direct people to mm-hmm. that. Uh, I do have a website, jimhanna.net, but that's mostly just pictures and resume and uh, mm-hmm. my credits and stuff so that uh, casting people can find me sure um sometimes i promote and because i still like doing this for fun i make these uh ridiculous uh web videos with my cat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i <laughs> just made a new one for the first time in probably two years the other day because now i have a dog uh-huh um they are not any um high production or anything <laughs> they're just literally me dicking around with a camera and my cat mm-hmm. and they've gotten a little bit of love on it people seem to like this asshole cat of mine mm-hmm. and, and uh, <laughs> uh so jeff the cat you can always google and look for jeff the cat episodes um uh, i guess i should have thought about this but i don't <laughs> think i have a whole lot else you know are you uh, on twitter i am on twitter mm-hmm. uh it, which also makes me cringe because jim hannah was obviously taken mm. at jim hannah and then I decided, well, my Twitter's going to be mostly for my acting stuff. I'm not going to just pontificate about politics. or I'm going to, so, but I need to specify Jim Hanna. Hmm. And then I just kind of got ran out of patience, and I went, I'll just change it later. I put at Jim Hanna actor, and then I'll go back and change it later. And it's, I <laughs> haven't gotten around to changing it. And now what I, what's a shame. I don't notice it until someone tags me in a post like, had a great time hanging out with Jim Hanna, actor. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm one of those guys like has to shoehorn his acting career into everything. Um, but it is, yes, at Jim Hanna, actor. I'm the idiot who did first initial last name because that's how my emails have always been without realizing you could have done your full name. 
Oh. Now, I have my full name, but it's for a character that I play, and I can't switch the two around. So you have at Jason Kaplan? Yeah. J- J- Jason Kaplan. So that's a different person. <laughs> yeah, Jason Clam. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's at Jason Clom, but also at J Clom, and then I have some other variations of it. But yeah, the the one I'm... I'll promote it now. Hi, guys. At Twitter. On Twitter, at J Clom. Actually... Follow me on Instagram, though, because I'm actually sort of doing something there at Jason Klom on Instagram. See, this is the problem. No. I have issues. Uh, but I'm on there, hashtag the professional blur, where I talk about my work as an extra for a few years. Ooh. Yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm posting dumb pictures of myself, like, right behind, like, you know. Oh, that's funny. Tim Roth's head and shit. It's great. Well, I could come and talk about my background career for a whole other hour. No, I couldn't. I did it one time. <laughs> I did once? And hated it you so much. You lucky bastard. You I said, I will <laughs> dig ditches for my day job uh-huh. before I'll do background again. Oh, it's bad. It's just really just exhausting and demoralizing uh-huh. and demeaning. Mm-hmm. And, um, but by the way, again, mm-hmm. some people are well suited to it. Sure. Because I've been on a set with somebody who's a background person. Like, I do this five days a week and yeah. I love it. Yep. And I think it's just different people are great at different things mm-hmm. and i did not have whatever bizarre collection of demeanor and skills that you have to have for that i, I right. not cut out for it so i enjoyed it but at some point it was like you know that i i've seen one guy get a sag card in nine years oh, that's you know what you i mean like yeah. you, you hoped yeah you know and then like i get bumped up to a regular extra on Mad Men, and then i get a, uh, a nine to five and i'm like buy i i can't i now, can't did that risk get you your card or no no still I, I still i've never gotten it i'm i'm eligible at best at this point so uh. yeah i've never i yeah i became a regular extra they cut three suits for me they they had all this stuff ready to go and they kept calling me hey you gotta come i, I have a job now. yeah and yeah. i'd heard about i mean obviously when you get here everyone's like how do you get into sag and i don't even know if it's true as much anymore but mm-hmm. it was the three voucher that was the thing that's what they always told you yeah and, and i had I, two of them i don't think i've I maybe met one or two people ever when you mm-hmm. asked them how'd you get in the union that yep. was the way they did it i think it's kind of more of a, a bit of a lie perhaps uh-huh <laughs> i saw one guy get bumped up on um what do you call it? i think it was american dreams the dick clark produced show about his own show from the that. 50s I, remember that. I was on a ton of those and one guy was in a protest it was either that or another show. no it was that uh in a protest and like the crazy part is like the guy got he got a line right because they're in a protest but he's going to lead the protest and then like he got told somebody told him hey man this is the beginning of everything i'm i'm telling you right now that guy doesn't look familiar who knows he could be chris evans for all right, I know right. at this point <laughs> it probably but, was chris but evans. yeah right it probably was <laughs> but like it's 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 one of those things where like this guy was totally pumped up and had his ego stroked the rest of the day and i'm like that's cool and all i hope for him that it worked out but it's like come on <laughs> look it's, it's such an weird bizarre difficult awesome business yeah and, because every little victory is immediately met with the next obstacle. You go like, oh, I got it, uh-huh. you know, and now what? And now right. I can't. And so, I don't I You just you take it as it comes and be grateful for what you get. Mm-hmm. And, and wait for your pension. And one day, Steven Spielberg <laughs> sees you in an at and And then never brings you in again. <laughs> we'll see. There's time. Um... Well, that's about it. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. Go to CelerySoundRecords.com. You can buy the aforementioned Paul Dooley album, Booked Solid, as an MP3. Again, if we sell enough of them, I will do an, a vinyl release of it. That is that is the plan. Uh, and then it will also help, of course, fund the vinyl release of my own comedy album latest, later this year. So if you guys want to hear me put my money where my mouth is, like, please buy it. It's, just, it's, it's reasonably priced. And it's Paul Dooley's great, and he's funny. So just go to CelerySoundRecords.com. That's about it. Thank you guys for listening. And as always... Have a good thing.
Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Thank you.